Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help busy people reclaim good practices for faith and life. Here's your host, Tony Meltenberger. Hey friends, welcome back. It's Tony. I'm so glad that you've joined us for another episode of the Reclamation Podcast. On today's episode, I had this great conversation with Roz Picardo. And what you're going to see in Roz is a guy who wears four different hats. So if you're the type of person that has a little ADD and you feel like your life is all over the place, this is the perfect interview for you because Roz does so much. He does so many different things, so many different fields, and yet still manages to be home with his family and find a way to share and be in deep with his faith. So we had a great conversation. We did have some audio problems in the beginning. Uh, it gets better throughout. So if you hit a bad spot, don't be afraid to use that uh, fast forward 15 seconds button or just bear through it. And it's worth it because when you get to the end, Roz just pours his heart out about how he manages to be on mission with his family. I, it's my favorite part of the whole interview. You're not going to want to miss it. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, if you like what you hear today, do me a favor, rate and share the podcast so that we can continue to share the message of what it means to reclaim good practices for faith and life. And I, I like to jump right into it. So you manage all sorts of things in your life. Why don't you tell everybody who's listening all the things that you do, all the titles that you wear <laughs> in your life? Because I, I think as soon as they hear that list, they're going to be a little overwhelmed, just like I am sometimes. Okay, so I'm uh, the dean of the chapel at United Theological Seminary, and that's essentially um, being a pastor to the students, staff, and faculty in helping the life here and also staff health. Um, then I'm the director of the Poli Leadership Center, and so that helps provide um, equipping events for students, pastors, and community leaders, so I'm involved with that. And then I'm a doctoral uh, mentor for our DEMIN program. And so I lead a group of about 20 doctoral students um, along with a colleague of mine. And we help them try to think of their project that will be earth shattering or groundbreaking for their ministry context. And then I teach master's classes online in church planting. Um, I'm also going to be teaching a certificate program that we're starting for Hispanic church planting coaches, which is all going to be in Spanish. And we're partnering with the North Texas conference for that. Oh, wow. I coach church planters through my uh, coaching uh, business, uh, Picardo Coaching. And so I'm involved with that. I speak regularly. I write. I have two books coming out this year. And what else? I'm also uh, the founding pastor, co-founding pastor of Mosaic Church in uh, Dayton, Ohio, and regularly preach and provide leadership there. So I think that's, I think that covers it. Man, that's enough, brother. Yeah. Good night. That's a lot. So l- let me ask you this. What's the hardest thing in your life that you have to balance right now? Because you also have a family. It's not like you're some single guy on, on mission or deployment, right? Right. Um, I think the hardest thing now is having two kids under two and trying to balance being a good father, spending time with them, being home. And then also um, with the roles I have and how to give attention to when I need to give attention to something and, and how to do that. And so 
I would say um, wearing multiple hats can be oftentimes stressful. What I'm seeing is how all those worlds can kind of collide, if you will, in a, in a positive way or cross-pollinate. And so um, I try to live my life not just in segments, but just one continuum where um, it's, it's not in separate boxes or categories, but it's, it's all, all ministry that God's called me to. Tell me a little bit more about that. How does that how does that work, practically speaking in terms of your your calendar? I mean, we're talking now and you're at United where you serve as the dean and and a professor. Uh, how does that correlate with what you're doing at Mosaic or some of your right. other coaching stuff? Right. So a lot of let's say a lot of the equipping events we do here at the seminary, I can invite Mosaic Church to be a part of them. I can invite other local churches to be a part of it. And so. Um, really, it's an invitation and it provides a neutral ground for people to come and gather. And so if we're doing a men's conference at the seminary, then it can be a Mosaic men's conference as well. And it can be a Restoration Church men's conference and it can uh, lend itself to the community. And so really, it, it kind of cross pollinates with that. And then there are times where I need to visit with people. And so I have them come to the seminary and uh, meet with me here. And I look at it as a victory for the seminary to have anybody walk through its doors that's never been here before, not affiliated, and expose them to what it's like for pastors being trained um, at the graduate level. And so it it really lends itself to um, just further development when I'm kind of looking at everything. And then the coaching uh, business also does that because I teach church planting classes too. And so I'm able to apply what I'm teaching to the clients and church planters that I'm working with. Um, so it all kind of comes together, but it does require a balance and the schedule can get pretty hectic. Um, so one of the things that I'm working on now is how many nights out of the week that I'm gone and, and trying to put a limit on that. Um, being involved with the church, you could be out every night of the week if you want to. You know that, Tony. Sure, you yeah. Sure. Night of the week, and so really um, making um, one of the things that I'm making a priority is dinner time with the family. And you know, I don't want to be out more more than two nights of the week, but trying to have that regular dinner time rhythm with them um, because you know research has shown that. To influence a kid's life, yes, school's important and parenting is important, but it comes through with having a meal, regular meal with your family unit and mm. being together. And so that's what we've tried to, to practice so far. And it hasn't been easy, but it's been a good accountability and reminder. I need to be with my girls. I need to be with my wife. And then if I need to work afterwards, I put them to bed and you know, they go to bed early now. So <laughs> regular, I mean, pretty early. So I'll, I'll do another round of maybe writing or email correspondence after everybody goes to bed. Cause I'm a late night owl. So now I, I did know that about you, that you were a late night kind of guy yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite. Um, yep. Yep. I like to get up early. So how, how, how would you explain your calendar, um, to somebody who may not use, be used to, to kind of, living that, I, I don't want to say ADD, because that's probably not the case, but that kind of 
multi-role, multi-purpose, multi-functioning. It feels like a little ADD to me, but yeah, it's unorthodox. Um, but you know, they say better word unorthodox. Yeah, it's unorthodox, but you know, I'm seeing more and more articles come out that don't dog the late night owl and the non-early riser. Uh, sure. Um, and that that's encouraging, but I, I would say, um, whenever I have to get going in the morning, that's when I get going. And so if that's earlier, then I'll do it. If it's later, I'm going to sleep in as long as my girls let me. Um, and there are times I have to work 12, 15 hour days, um, or I do it in chunks. So I always look at, uh, days in in, um, three segments, morning, afternoon and evening and i always try to work two out of the three um is how i try to do it and so if that's afternoon and evening and not morning great sometimes it's morning late to late afternoon and evening off so it just really depends it varies now do you Uh, block that off in your calendar physically block it off or is it just it's in my head i look at it and see what i have to do that day and um determine all right so to uh yesterday for example was uh, a day where you know i i was here at work at the seminary at nine and i didn't get home till nine o'clock at night last night um because we had mosaic staff meetings and all that so um but today for instance you know i'll be home at 5 30 and i'll have majority of the evening off and then I'll do some work after the girls go to bed. Um, it's really helped with the balance thing because it's it's really pushed my staff at the church too because now we uh, do a lot of meetings virtually since we have a lot of bivocational staff members. Um, so that's really helped. It's pushed that the flexibility. Yeah. So let me ask you this, if I can kind of go back in time a little bit. Yeah. When you um, started thinking about your call into leadership and ministry, did you always feel like your call was a little unorthodox or kind of take me back to the roots? I mean, I know you you planted a, a pretty uh, successful church plan, a parachute church plan in Lexington, Kentucky called Embrace. How did, when did you like look at this thing and say, I'm a little different than everyone else? Well, initially. I thought God was calling me to be a chaplain, and that's what I was in the military, and I was doing reserve duty in that. Um, But after being um, active duty at times, I realized that it doesn't lend itself to as much freedom as what I would need. And so in terms of sharing the gospel and things like that, um, whenever I was involved with the local church, I always felt like maybe I didn't belong or – I, I, it didn't, I didn't find my place until I discovered church planting and creating communities for people that maybe are on the fringes of society. Um, so I, yeah, I always felt like, you know, I'm a pastor, but I'm not a pastor because the primary things like pastoral care and counseling are not, I can do those things, but they're not my forte. Um, so it's more of a, I look at my call as more of a hybrid, if you will, you know, in our tradition, the United Methodist Church, you have, um, 
two orders, deacon and elder. Um, but I always felt like my call was more of a hybrid. Elder is kind of more of the, the pastor and the deacon is more how do you connect the church and the world together. And I always looked at my call as more of that missional hybrid role. Was there a defining moment for you when you said, I'm, you know, I, I know that I'm going to do something different than what's traditional? Um, yeah, I would say um, when I was doing my mentored ministry kind of internship during seminary, that's when I fell in love with the local church and realized um, that I needed to step away from chaplaincy at the time. And it was urban ministry that really captured my heart in that. And yeah. That's where kind of I, I made my bones, if you will, doing um, I always test drove things. So I did student ministry. Um, it wasn't my cup of tea, but I did it and I cut my teeth there. Um, you know, I did a, just kind of a variety of things from being a custodian to, um, you know, working, so kind of a jack of all trades, jack of all trades and and learned what my calling was through testing a lot of things. And I always look at calling as twofold. Um, there's the inward calling and the outward calling. The inward calling is things that you feel like God has spoken to you. And um, it's just kind of like what Romans 8 says. Uh, God's spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. So there's the inward calling. But then there is the outward calling where the community of faith confirms what you already know to be true from God. So hey, you got gifts in these areas. And so I was hearing, oh, you're, you're gifted in preaching and evangelism and, and those things. And that kind of poured gasoline on the fire. Um, so I was able to get opportunities even while I was a student to preach and teach and exercise those gifts. But now you were full time on a, on a pretty large church staff when before you moved over to United that transition of call tell us a little bit about that and how all that kind of broke down in your in your head and your heart and how how god was talking to you through that yeah so i've always felt the call to um plant and revitalize churches and be a change agent in the local church i've always felt that call but i've always felt even through my coaching how to equip others in doing that and and so Really, um, I started getting opportunities, of course, working with other church planters. And then before you know it, I was teaching classes at the seminary to then now um, God's opened up a door for me to be here as someone that could help um, as students are exploring their call. And so as the door opened here, um, it kind of took me by surprise. But at the same time, it didn't. It was more of a logical next step that I didn't see coming at all because I always thought I was just being the local church solely, exclusively. Was it scary? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's scary because your identity is um, wrapped up as a pastor. And if you're at a large church setting, there's some sort of, I guess, pride that comes with that. And so it was tempting in my mind to think I'm taking a step backwards. Hmm. And um, I'm, I'm being demoted and I'm, I'm taking the step backwards. But as I was following the spirit and had people around me, they said, no, this is 
your influence is going to be expanded because now you get to influence people that are going to go out into the world and disciple other people in the local church. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, you mentioned something there that I think will resonate with a lot of people, and this is a, that idea of identity. When you think about identity, um, how how did you kind of come to know yourself as this entrepreneur, hybrid pastor, dean of the chapel, leadership? I, I mean, that's that's not something that you would just write up on a average Saturday morning drinking a cup of coffee. Right. I, I know it's going to sound cliche. It just kind of happened. I never thought about this in seminary or even uh, before seminary when I received my call. I never thought I'd be doing all the different entrepreneurial things. Um, I thought, thought I was going to be a traditional pastor or quote unquote chaplain. Um, but as I started to experience more of my gifts and getting in different ministry contexts that gave me the opportunity and outlets to exercise those things, then I started to think outside the box more and more. And I guess once you start doing that, um, not only can it become addicting, uh, <laughs> but you get to you get to see ways that God can move and not limit God. And so um, that's kind of how I've led not, not just ministry, but my life um, in general. And if I feel God calling me to do something, I'm I'm not going to be held back by fear or the impressions of other people or um you know, the demands of, of others. So yeah, that's kind of my life. I love it. I love it. So if, if I, uh, a young student was walking into your, your office and they said, Dean, uh, Picardo, what, I just don't know who I am. I'm not sure what I should be doing. I don't feel like I'm a good fit anywhere. What would be the one thing that you told them you would tell them to do to help sort out their identity? Well, I mean, our identity is not in our what we can do. It's not our talents and abilities. It's not our mistakes, our mishaps. It's in Christ. So that's first and foremost. Um, I would ask them a few clarifying questions. Um, how has God used you in the past? Yeah. And you trace your all by looking at how God's called you and how God's used you in the past. So is it maybe spearheading different ministries? Is it starting a small group? Is it um, encouraging other people? So how's God used you in the past? And then um, I'd ask him another question. What scriptures have been instrumental in your life and call? Hmm. And, 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 and so those things come together and based on those things and what, God has spoken and what others have said about you, what do you, when do you feel alive? What's life giving to you in, in ministry? And it could be, Hey, when I teach or when I am serving others and then, so starting to explore that. So those are some clarifying questions I would ask. What What's the hope with the, the scripture question? I mean, that's seems kind of like a random in the stack. Yeah, I because, you know, one of the ways, of course, God speaks to us is through is through the word. And so um, if there are certain scriptures God's spoken to individuals, 
Um, it's usually things that they carry with them that have helped shape their Christian identity. So for me, when God called me into ministry, uh, one of the verses was Second Timothy 4, 5, uh, like section B or C, um, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. So I actually got that tattooed on my leg because um, that was the minute that was the scripture God called me into ministry with. So at first it was primarily as an evangelist. And look, my ministry, um, a lot of what I've done is the evangelistic component. So um, whereas, um, you know, there's some people that have steroidal gifts, I say, like in in ministry. So like yours would be um, one of your many is uh, discipleship. That's your steroidal gift, right? Well, thank like, you. Yeah. You know, for me, it'd be more of the evangelism piece. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not good in any other area, but it means you primarily lead, primarily lead from your strengths. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Where was I? Uh, no, that makes so, perfect yeah. sense. I think I think you're right on talking about leading from your strengths and identifying uh, how God is talking to you in Scripture so that yeah. you can lead from those strengths. Exactly. Exactly. So that's where that scripture question comes into play. Great. Now you have two kids under the age of two, two princesses, mm-hmm. and you're married. How long have you, you and uh, Callie been married? It'll be nine years in July. Nine years in July. And you do all of these jobs. Um, she's, she's very successful at United as well as the VP of development. If I recall, Mm -hmm. how do you guys manage your family time? How do you, how do you kind of incorporate that? And and what does that look like in the practice of your faith? Yeah. Um, so again, you know, our family is not segmented from ministry or our places of ministry context and work. So, uh, we try to integrate we, we try to have an integrated life as much as possible. So we look at our girls as being on mission with us. And, and so um, there are there are times and places um, where you'll see them with us coming, um, whether it's an outreach event at church, whether it's um, something at the school, um, whatever it may be, we're kind of exposing them to, hey, what do mom and dad do? And even from an early age, um, because we we're on mission together and that's kind of how we we would we try to instill in them even even right now as babies yeah so now did, they're, they're did you them. and callie always believe that you're on mission together how'd you guys come to that conclusion um yeah uh we've always felt like our role was to bridge communities and gaps and so um even in lexington callie worked with uh different donors through the National Christian Foundation. And so she would work with, you know, people with means. And I was in urban ministry working with people with very little financial means. And we always looked at our role as bridging the gap. And so with that, um, we've had always had a, a diverse friend group network. And when we've entertained and have had people over it's always been together and not segmented so um that's part of how we integrate so if i have to meet somebody at times and i don't want to like take away from the family time 
I'll actually invite them over for dinner and they can, you know, we can talk after, but they can come and, and hang and see the girls in their high chairs going crazy and throwing food and their bottles and whatnot. And yeah, you just you put know. it all out there, huh? So we, we, we come together in that. So that's, that's what I mean by an integrated life. Um, now you, where, you and actually have a pretty funny story on how you met. Yeah, we, um, so I always, was it, did you stalking never, her? What, what, how did that work? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, you've always had, you know, I've, I've told you before that I've never really had an office or I've never been in an office. And so early on in my ministry, my, my co- my coffee shops and bars and different places were offices. And that's where I actually met Callie was in uh, Starbucks, believe it or not. Okay. And because of that, um, meeting her at Starbucks, uh, she was with the National Christian Foundation. I was with Embrace Church and we had a common uh, acquaintance, introduced business acquaintance. And then I got her business card and thought she was, you know, attractive and delightful. And, you know, I asked her to get together and I thought it was a date and she thought it was a business meeting. And I found out otherwise <laughs> there is probably more of a business meeting because I'm slow, but, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not that smart at times, but, uh, you know, I try to steer the conversation back to more personal things and like what she wants to do for fun. And she kept steering it more toward business. And so I, I didn't give up and I was persistent and God wore her down ultimately. And, uh, when we got engaged, we actually got our engagement photos taken at Starbucks. That's awesome. That's yes. Awesome. But now, back, guys, yeah. Nine so, years later, do you guys have a, a written statement for your marriage in terms of like how you guys how'd you guys come to that place where you said, you know, we're going to we're going to break across segments. And um, how, I mean, how do you been, keep it? It's always been dialogue. So we're not like I know people are like the heavy planners and they write things down and goals. And this. It's always been through dialogue where we've we've shared how you know, hey, how is God using us? Um, what's our values? Um, and, and really talking through that. And so, um, you know, kind of having, I don't know, I don't call it a weekly meeting, but checking in, hey, what's your schedule like? What's your, you know, and when we, what do you got going on this week? Um, how can we integrate more um, with the other, with our family? And so that's been helpful doing doing those points and um really you know you'll laugh and you won't be surprised at this but a lot of it has to do when we talk about budgeting for our family that makes perfect sense you know we budget we we have a date night we open up a bottle of wine and we budget our finances together and as we talk about our finances you talk about your values right what's important to you what you're spending money on and then when you look at that in your checkbook, then you look at your calendar as well. What am I spending my time on? Um, so it's always she's always I'm always ready to fire without getting ready, set and aiming. And she's already right. She helps me to think through things. Hey, hey, do you really need to be involved with this? Hey, don't be ready to say yes all the time. Hey, let's talk through things. And so um, 
if I've asked, been asked to be on a team or uh, on a board, you know, I in the past I always would be ready to say yes. And now I think through it and I pray through it before I even I jump on things. Yeah, she's kind of like the yin to your yang, so to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I love that as a way for you guys to stay connected. But, you know, as in all of your pastoral ministry and all the roles that you play, how, how do you what's your routine, kind of your daily um, daily habits of staying connected to God? How do you how do you stay fresh? So, again, the integrated life. Um you know, some people, you know, early risers like you, they spend their time with God, their devotions, all that. I do a lot of my time at night, believe it or not. And when everybody's away, um, that's when I'm hearing from the Lord, um, setting aside that time. But again, the integrated life is when I'm driving with my girls, um, mm. I'm praying over them um, when I'm taking them to daycare and we're praying and um, when I'm spending the time, you say you're praying over them. Let me, because because I, I think someone's going to listen to this and be like, man, I I don't even know how to pray over my girls or my kids in the car. Are you like, you know, driving in the front seat, laying a hand on their foreheads yeah. in the back seat, or what's it look? I mean, get, give me a really practical example of what and, it looks like. And, you know, they're they don't know I'm praying, but they they're all you know. My oldest is chatting up and everything, but I'm. I pray over them in terms of what are my hopes, my desires, my wishes for them now and as they grow older. And mm. so, um, first of all, God, we want to pray your protection over them this day um, at daycare. Uh, be with them and guide them and, and keep them safe. And Lord, I just ask that you would help them to be world changers as they grow up in whatever you, you call them to do. Um, and then we pray for mama and we, then we pray for Dada and we go through and pray for family. And I do that every morning on our drive. Uh, um, yeah, the cars are great time cause they're trapped. Yeah, they're trapped. And we pray over them when they go to sleep too. Um, before we lay them down at night, we pray for them, but that's helped me to be integrated and then pockets throughout the day. Um, I'll pray and I'll, um, be cognizant of God. Other practices, um, um, like something that your church is doing now, is uh, fasting. I've um, fasted when um, need to make decisions and yeah. uh, and to hear from the Lord on different things. Um, another practice is um, really staying with God. Is generosity is one of my big gifts um, that I love being generous. And so. Um, you know, that's really um, where I feel and experience God is through that and blessing others. How do you decide what kind of scripture you're going to read at night or how do you decide uh, what reading plan are you on now? Or Yeah, I use the U version a lot of times. Um, and that's really been a gift um, because you don't need to reinvent the wheel and find all this. You know, they got so much out there and I like keeping things pretty simple. And so. um Right now, I'm looking at Rick Warren's 365 days of um, living a purposeful life. And so I'll do things like that um, for it has scripture reading and then devotional material. Um, okay. Then I'm 
then I'm reading, uh, I'll find things online as well. That'll feed my soul, um, different articles, um, uh, you know, just from, from pastors and, um, things to stay health, spiritually healthy and vital. That's great. Yeah. Now, if you were looking back, um, I mean, you've been in ministry mm-hmm. now for how many years? Um, so. About, well, uh, 13 years, 13, 14 years now. If you were going to look back and, and talk to younger uh, Roz, whatever mm-hmm. younger Roz would look like, what would be the one thing that you'd want to impart uh, in terms of the gift of wisdom that you have now that you, you didn't have then? Um, the, there are a few different things. That's a good question. Um, the, I would say, um, the toughest person to lead is yourself. And so self leadership is huge. Um, and, and really you, you can't ask people to do something you're not willing to do yourself. Um, uh, another is, um, if I'm not careful, I become the ceiling to the people under my leadership. Oh, tell me about that. Yeah, you can you can become the ceiling easily. So if you're not growing and pressing in, you can only lead people to places you have gone to, which is why it's important to have mentors, um, people speaking into your life, good team members as well that have the free giftings that you're not you know competent in or is competent in um so working together um in in the fact that i need people in my life and you know another thing is everybody has brokenness some recognize it and others hide it and turn a blind eye to it um yeah and another thing is probably the people who require the most give the least Mm. is another thing i would tell myself uh um, it's easy to, especially in the church planting world or even in a church where you're trying to grow and reach people. Um, there are times where you get stuck as solely the shepherd and not wearing the mantle of an evangelist as well. And so it's easy to pour in time and energy into black holes, uh, people that aren't going to go out and make disciples. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so black um, hole. If you're gonna give that like a, a one sentence definition, the the people that want just the FaceTime with the pastor, but aren't gonna be aren't willing to go out and reach new people or bring people into the community. Mm. And people so that aren't willing to to multiply. The multiply, but they want they want your time. They just kind of suck. Yeah, they want all the time. time, all the energy. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure everyone's encountered somebody like that. Yeah, um, and so just knowing, hey, the people that require the most usually give the least. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. So, uh, what's I mean, what's next for you? I mean, you've you've kind of found this little niche. You've, um, you've. You've written some books. As actually, tell us about the books that you have written, and and maybe if it's okay with your publisher, give us a sneak peek on what's what's coming down the pike in 2019. Yeah, um, I've written um, one on church planting. It's called Embrace, a church that broke all the rules, and so just really um, 
starting out as a parachute drop, it was unconventional. And so I share some stories and things I learned along the way. Uh, the second one was uh, ministry makeover, and it's about bivocational ministry, mm. uh, which is uh, my dissertation and doctoral work. So I, I look at um, some historical data and or historical um, s- stories and then data uh, where the church is now today. And then my third book is um, on five loaves and two fishes, and it's really essentially how to fund ministry and think outside the box and entrepreneurially. And then my new books coming out is uh, one is called Don't Look Down, and it's about following Jesus and taking risk. And it looks at Peter walking on the wall and how we're called to live a life where we we do walk on water by faith. And so I look at people who've stepped out of the boat and have really taken on challenges and have left their comfort zones. And then another, the other book that's coming out in 2019 is with our friend Jason Moore. Um, and this one is um, called From Franchise to Local Dive. And it talks about the need um, when we are reaching our community, how to contextualize and, and having that mindset of reaching out instead of just approaching with what we have in mind and coming at it as more of a big box franchise instead, you know, but really trying to be more grassroots. So I know it's asking you to choose which one of your children you like better, but which, which one of the two books coming out in 2019 are you more excited about? I'm excited about both of them. I'm not sure I could. Oh, don't give me that answer. I, that's the soft answer. I I think this so I think the walking on the don't look down book will be pivotal um, and I'm looking forward to that because that's my first book more it's it's almost devotional like so okay. I'm really excited about that however I think from franchise to local dive will make more of an impact in terms of pastors and leaders and students um, that'll give more nuts and bolts for them so i'm probably most excited about that one with its impact that i think it's going to make in a different arena the, yeah, the, they're the, kind of different <coughs> genre, so yeah. Yeah. that's great that's great and uh hey you know on behalf of local church pastors everywhere thank you for what you do to pour into the local church and thank you for your heart for the kingdom and lord knows we need more evangelists out there so I really appreciate taking you taking the time today to sit down and chat with me and all that it entails with that. If somebody wanted to follow up with you, if they wanted more information about Roz. Um, yeah, tell me at Roz at VRMosaic.org. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Rev Roz, or you can um, go to my website, Rosario RosarioPicardo.com or PicardoCoaching.com. That's awesome, man. And I'll tell you that if you uh, if you do decide to follow Roz on social media, he's a great follow because he's always putting out good good content. And and his girls are absolutely adorable. So if you did nothing else right, you at least got that right. Yeah, yeah. that's what I tell myself. Although Callie probably should get most of the credit. Yeah, she, <laughs> she deserves it. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, hey, I appreciate you and. Um, 
thank you for taking the time to be on the Reclamation Podcast. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Reclamation Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our time with Rosario Picardo. Next time on the podcast, I'll have James Keith Posey, who's the executive pastor of Century Church in Pike Road, Alabama. Now, Century Church is a church plant, and so every week they have to deal with the extra stress of being a church in a box. In addition to that, James Keith is a singer-songwriter and father to four amazing children. So we're excited to hear from him and dive into this idea of creativity as it pertains to faith and life. So thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for carving out the time to be a part of our podcast family. The biggest compliment you can give us is to rate and share on social media, allow others to find our podcast so we can continue to grow and share the message of good practices for faith and life. Like what you heard? Please take a minute to rate and share so others like you can find good practices for faith and life.